I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19. Spirit of God has been speaking to me about helping you. We're going to talk tonight about the power of crippling spirits, crippling spirits. Somebody take a wild guess at what a crippling spirit does. It cripples you. That's right. And we're going to talk about them tonight. I want you to see them in scripture. Uh, We're living in a day of great, intense spirit warfare, in case you didn't know it. Just turn your head toward Washington, D.C. You'll figure it out. Um, We're going to talk tonight about the power, about the activity in our lives, crippling spirits. Let me read my little statement here. Until you start taking this spirit war seriously, nothing on this planet is going to make any sense to you anymore. Until you start taking this spirit war around you seriously and understand what's going on, nothing's going to make sense to you out there. If there's one thing this Bible teaches, it teaches us very clearly just that uh, the spirit world drives the visible world. We, surely we don't need to teach that anymore. Dear ones, the spirit world drives the visible world. That's why the Bible made it very clear in Ephesians 6, 12, Our battle is not with flesh and blood. It is not with people. It is with principalities and powers of darkness, spirit beings in the atmosphere around us. And we're there. Can I just appeal to you? Let me just appeal to you about something. See what you think about this right here. See what you think about this. Just the fact that following, if you really want to follow Jesus, you must say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't want to just drag down. I want to follow Jesus. Just the fact that following Jesus can be a battle should tell you something. I mean, what's the big deal? I decide, I decide, I really want to follow Jesus. So I lay down my arms. I run up the white flag. You are Lord. I want to follow you. Life should be a piece of cake after that. I mean, I've quit battling with the God of the universe. I'm on his side now. He's my father. He's my friend. I got the Holy Spirit. I got a book that tells me how to live. I should be able to traipse through this life and have a jolly good time. Why is it such a struggle? What's this going on in my head? Where's this junk come from? What, the fact that, there is, that, it, that it can be a struggle to follow Jesus should tell you loud and clear, there's somebody else out there messing with you. Until, listen, until you start taking this spirit war stuff seriously, life's not going to make any sense, especially with the days we're living in now. The Bible's very clear about what's going on in the earth right now. We're going to talk a little bit later, the great promise. I'm, I'm watch, I've watched it unfold in my lifetime. Darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. That's the only way you can explain what's going on in this land right now. Let me finish that. But the glory of the Lord will be upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. We got to get there. All right, tonight we're going to look at uh, the Father's revelation. I want to show you six signs of a crippling spirit. Now, crippling spirit is a a spirit that comes against you and it, it robs you and it cripples you so that you can't walk in the joy and the freedom and the peace and the hope that Jesus is. Jesus is more than a ticket to heaven. Jesus is heaven on earth and it should be that way. However, there's an enemy that robs us of that. All right. We're looking in first Kings chapter 19. This is a great picture here. Let me catch up to speed where we're at here. Elijah was the great prophet of that day. He was a mighty man of God. He walked very close to God. His name, Elijah is a compound name. My God is God, Jehovah. All right. And in the preceding chapter, all of Israel had backslidden. They'd grown far away from God, much like America. And God sends him to call the people back to himself, if you're familiar. So he sets up a contest on Mount Carmel, Carmel, and he has a contest. He said, y'all have started worshiping false gods. My God is the true God. We have a contest. We're going to build altars. And you can pray first, then I'm going to pray. Whichever God sends fire down is the real God. And he challenged the people. He let them go first. And they prayed for hours and nothing happened. And he sat over there and mocked them. Finally, he said, clear me a path. And he put wood on the altar. He put the bull on the wood. And then he poured seven barrels of water. They'd been in three and a half years of drought. There was no water. But he poured water on the altar. And he prayed a simple prayer and said, show these people that you're a God. And fire fell from heaven and hit that altar and consumed the water. Burned it up. And everybody hit their face and said, the Lord, he is God. And he turned the nation back to God. And then they had a wicked queen and her name was Jezebel. And she shows up all through the Bible. And in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus said... The church will wrestle with Jezebel till the day I get back to earth. That's one of the revelations of Revelation chapter two. The Jezebel spirit, which is a crippling spirit, you're going to wrestle with it till the day I get back to earth. And so he promptly, Elijah was a, 
Elijah was from like snow camp or something. After he wins this contest, he kills every one of her preachers. Killed them all, just right on the spot there. 450 of Baal and 400 of Asher. Kills 850 prophets. So that sort of tells you what kind of guy he's like. All right, and this guy was, uh, I don't know what word to use for him. He was just fearless, absolutely fearless. He took on the whole nation, killed all their preachers. Watch what happens to him. As soon as this is over, watch what happens. Verse 19, Ahab, who is the king, told Jezebel what Elijah had done, how he had killed the prophets with a sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more so, verse two, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So the king goes home and tells her what happened. And she sends a messenger to him and says, you'll be dead tomorrow. All right, first time I read this as a young man, I said, I bet you he went up to that castle and jerked her up by the bouffant and flung her out the door. <laughs> the man just called the whole nation out. He just killed every false preacher and he can't take on one woman. No man would dare say amen or nothing to that. I guarantee you ain't gonna answer that. <laughs> now here, here's what you gotta understand. It's not the woman. As wicked as she was, it is not the woman. The woman was, would have been no problem. But something else happened to this man. Watch how his life changed just like that. Watch what happened. Verse three, when he heard that, he arose and ran for his life. And he ran to uh, Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. He went a day's journey in the wilderness, sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, it's enough, Lord, just kill me. I'm no better than my father's. What happened between five o'clock and the next morning? This man is fearless. He, he just cleaned house and called fire down. And all of a sudden he is so defeated, he's running and he wants to die. Now, you know, there's not a woman here and no woman can do this to anybody. Prayed that he might die. Verse five, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked there by his head was a cake. Verse six, baked on coals, a jar of water. He ate, drank, lay down again. Angel came a second time and touched him, said, get up and eat. The journey's too great for you. He arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mountain of God. He went into a cave and spent the night in that place. The word of the Lord came to him, the voice of the Lord and said to him, what are you doing here? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. The children of Israel have forgotten your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still small voice. Elijah heard it, wrapped his face in a mantle. Went and stood in the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken you, torn down your altars, killed your preachers. I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me. The Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael as king, Jehu as uh, king of Israel, Elisha as the prophet in your place. And then he goes on to tell him what to do. All right, what happened to this man? This is a biblical picture of what happens when this crippling, paralyzing spirit comes to a person. And let me, let me <laughs> maybe I don't need to say this, maybe I do. Evil spirits don't go after mild-mannered, useless Christians. They go after the big guys. These people attack people that love Jesus. All right, can you, this, this amazed me the first time I read it. This guy is made out of this guy's carved out of granite. He doesn't bend for anything. And all of a sudden he's whining, self-pity, wanting to die, running, complaining. What in the world happened to him? Six signs of a, of a crippling spirit. When you see this happening to you, which is so contrary of the truth of God. All right. And this one happened to be named Jezebel. Jezebel's alive and well today. I've been battling this huzzy ever since I went into ministry. I just have. I didn't know what it was in the early years because I was out of a camp, the Baptist camp, that didn't believe in demons. <laughs> I'd learned this the hard way. I've been battling this thing for years. But it, you know what's fun is when you do learn how to battle it and you learn how to win. All right. When you see these things happening, number one, discouragement. What did he say? I quit. The man just quit. Discouragement is from hell. There's not one ounce of discouragement in the kingdom of God. 
The spirit of our God, Romans 15, 13 says this. Our God is the God of hope who fills people with joy and peace in believing and they will be overpowered with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Any place the Holy Spirit is, there's hope. There's not an ounce of discouragement in God's kingdom anywhere. I've had people tell me I am so discouraged, I can feel it. And it, it, it is a feeling. Isaiah chapter 61 calls it the spirit of heaviness. It's like you can just feel it come over you, just like a wave where you just, you just get so defeated and so discouraged. You say, well, look at what's going on around you. Right there, right there. You just screwed up. You just screwed up. It is not the circumstances. It's the spirit. It is a spirit. Discouragement is, now I'm not talking about you got up this morning, it was raining, you wanted to go fishing, you couldn't. That's called, it's raining and you wanted to go fishing and you couldn't. I'm talking about discouraged over your future, discouraged over your faith, discouraged about your family. And it just gets in, just lays on you. That's demonic. And this, I want to quit stuff. And that when you, when you sense that, there is zero discouragement in the kingdom. I've, I've dealt with this thing all my ministry for all, ever since I've been a believer. I'm not a discouraged type person. I'm a person who's just ready to whoop. Best word I can use for it. But I've had discouragement come on me, just fall on me like a ton of bricks and go, what is this right here? It's spiritual. And this man was not a quitter, but he wanted to quit when the spirit got on him. Number two, weariness, weariness. Do you notice how he couldn't get up? He couldn't stop sleeping. He was so tired and so weary. Uh, we, people that don't know Jesus even write songs like this. I am tired and so weary. Show me weariness in the Bible. He said, brother Brian, look what we're going through. Weariness is a spirit. It wears you out. So, Brother Brown, you're, you're old. You're supposed to be weary. <laughs> Why do we not believe the word of God in our churches today? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will, listen, there is a spirit called Holy Spirit that is strength. And it is strength to raise a family, go to work, trust God, live this life, have faith, have hope. But when you're just, just worn weary out, I was hearing a pastor friend of mine, he was talking and he said, I, I got to where I was so weary, I couldn't get out of bed. And he said, it's not my nature. He said, but when I would leave the town I live in, I'd be refreshed. But when I'd go back in that town, all of a sudden I'd just get tired. That's a spirit. It's a spirit of weariness. And this man just slept for days. He's just so worn out from it. And when you get this, I, I, I just don't want to go on anymore. I'm so weird. Listen, now, now listen, if you're not taking care of your body and you're, you're not getting enough sleep, that's called tired. Yeah. Take better care of your equipment. Go, go to bed, get you some rest. Listen, watching that late movie ain't helping you a bit anyway. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. Sleep's better for you than movies. Amen. One amen out of that. I'm glad somebody knows it. All right. <clears throat> I'm just talking about you just having to push yourself along. To, it's just like a chore to do it. That's something's wrong. A spiritual. Number three, a critical attitude. A critical attitude. Negative eyes where you see everything in the negative. It's just so rotten. Everything's terrible. That's, that's an unholy spirit. I want you to notice. Let me just read for you what this man said. Verse 10. By, by the way, the Lord asked him in verse 9, what are you doing here, Elijah? Um, how many of you think that the almighty, all-knowing one asks anything for information's sake? He knew what he was doing there. He wanted him to think about what he was doing there. And what did he mean by what are you doing here? You got no business being like this. What are you doing at this? Why is your life like this right now? I don't know what he said. Look what he answered in verse 10. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. And those people of yours, they've turned their back on you. They killed. He goes off on how rotten all the Christians are. He goes off on how bad everybody else is except him. That ain't the spirit of Jesus. That's an unholy spirit. It's a critical spirit that sees everything through jaundiced eyes and negative eyes. I'm going to tell you something. This spirit right here owns my nation right now. I'm seeing this all over. I mean, people just looking at the rotten and the bad. And then you want to talk about it. And when you talk about it, you give power to it. And this, this negative lens that everybody sees life through. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus walk around talking about how rotten everybody was? Jesus called to himself the first man he ever called a man named Simon. What did he say about him? But Jesus walked, the Bible said, Simon walked up and Jesus said, you're an idiot. Is that what he said? <laughs> no, he said, you're a rock. Any, listen to any time God spoke about people, he called out the best in them. You know why? First Corinthians 13, seven says this, love always sees the best in other people. That's the spirit of Jesus. And uh, this, this critical negative, you know, I heard somebody to me say, this is so bad. Even the dogs are going to the dogs. <laughs> listen to me, that, that's, that's not because you're smart and you can see things. That's a spirit. 
It's an evil spirit that gets on people and everything's rotten, everything's bad. I think I told you the, this, you have to be old to remember this. You might remember Limburger cheese. That's nasty. Don't buy it if you see it in the store. But it's just nasty. It's just foul. It's just sort of a cross between sulfur and rotten eggs is what it is. And grandpa's taking a nap on the couch one day and the little fella, you know, little boys are mischievous. Back before they had video games to play, they had to think up things to do. And went in there and took that Limburger cheese and rubbed it in grandpa's mustache. Then went and hid. Grandpa got up and said, something stinks in here. <laughs> went out of the kitchen. Mom was cooking a cake. He said, stinks in here too. <laughs> went out on the back porch and stood in the yard and said, the whole world stinks. <laughs> well, no, the problem was, was here. There was this thing about everything stinking. That, that's not vision. That's a spirit. And th this thing gets on people and they see everything. And let me tell you who this spirit is the most critical of. Yourself. You begin to get on yourself. You ain't no business beating yourself up. Listen, you're bought with a price. You belong to Jesus. Can't talk ugly about yourself either. All right, number four, self-pity and hopelessness. Self-pity and hopelessness. What would, what would cause one of the mightiest men that ever lived one day after the greatest victory to look up and pray this prayer? Listen, I want you to listen to his prayer. Kill me. That's a pretty sad prayer, isn't it? Let me help you guys. When you get up in the morning and you open the newspaper and you're reading through the obituaries and you think, what lucky people. We got a problem, Houston. Listen to me. You were born for such a time as this. You are right where you're supposed to be, right when you're supposed to be here. You're the light of the world. But this, let me help you. I know what I'm talking about here. Self-pity is a demon spirit. And it wallers on people. And I'm seeing this more and more in believers. This, <laughs> that is not Jesus right there. You get that thing off of you. That thing will destroy you. Let me tell you something. You can never have faith and self-pity at the same time. And you know what happens if we don't have faith, don't you? Nothing good happens. And our enemy puts it, it's like a, it's like a blanket. He just throws this. And all of a sudden you just, it's just so bad. And, and they done to me and it's just terrible. And nobody loves me. And I don't have what other people have. And knock that stuff off. Does somebody do like the, the cologne commercial and say, thanks, I needed that. Fine. I'm going to keep preaching. Let me tell you something. Self-pity is demonic. And we got, we got people who got the microphone in this nation and they're being used by the darkness of hell to put this on people playing on them. Listen, I am, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful. Make up your mind. You can have faith in God and trust him. I don't care where you've been or you can be pitiful and be defeated. But see how this thing got on him. He said, I just, I just want to die. I just don't care anymore. All right, that, that's not Jesus. You know that. That's, can you see the tremendous change in this man's personality? That this guy, this guy whooped the whole world. And then all of a sudden he's wanting to die. How does this happen that fast? Well, it's spiritual, this hopelessness. <clears throat> and uh, let me tell you something. You, you begin to lose hope in yourself. You begin to lose confidence in yourself. Let me make an announcement. God didn't give us a spirit of intimidation, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And people begin to lose confidence in themselves. They don't think they can do anything. They... Just, let me tell you something. You plus Jesus can change the world. That, that's the spirit of God. But this spirit of self-pity gets on people and they're scared to try things and, and they don't want to launch out. We begin to lose hope in our families. Get, listen, if there is a God in heaven, if you're still breathing, good things can happen. Amen. And so my family's in trouble. Who, where is your God? Where's this great God that can redeem and save and change? We got to bring faith back to the American church to where we trust him to do something. But the, see, you understand why it's called a crippling spirit? It cripples your faith. And it cripples your faith on purpose so you can't believe for anything good to happen. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all the great things I've seen happen in some of the worst situations. I mean, just utterly hopeless, hopeless. But somebody decided, I'm going to pray and trust God and I'm going to hold on to him until something happens and miracles happened. That's the goodness of the Lord. But you can't do it when you're crippled with woe is me. Woe is me will kill you. And this thing gets on people and it just, it just eats them. Number five, I listen to this one, blindness. There's a blindness that comes when this spirit comes. People are just blind. Let me, point, let me show you the blindness in this man's life. Uh, verse 10, he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. He goes and talks about how everybody's rotten except him. Watch what the Lord says to him in verse 18. 
I got 7,000 in Israel who've not bowed to Baal. He said, no, no, you, you can't see. I got people that love me and worship me and adore me. What are you talking about nobody loves me? There were thousands of people that loved God and worshiped him. But when this spirit gets on you, you can't see anything good God's doing out there. All you can see is the bad. Matter of fact, if you look back in chapter 18, the entire nation just hit their face, repented and got right with God. And he was standing there watching. But when this thing gets on you, you can't see anything good God's done for you. You can't, you're, not, you're not grateful for your health. You're not grateful for the people he's putting your life below. All you can think about is how bad everything is. That is a spirit. That's an unholy spirit that gets in our hearts and gets in our minds and blinds us to the goodness of God in our lives. And instead of celebrating his goodness and, and thanking him for what he's done for us and enjoying the blessings he put around us, we get this darkness on us where it's, where it's just, you can't see anything. It's a blind. It is a spiritual blindness that gets on us like that. I, I was reading this morning on my devotional verse this morning. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. I wrote in there, go see it. There was that goodness all over. Listen, all the kids are not going to the dogs. We're experiencing a revival in the 27 year olds right now. Across the land, great things are happening. I, God's doing wonderful things in the earth. You say, well, I can't see them. Get that spirit off of you so you can see it. Amen. I'm preaching better than you amen tonight. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Blindness. Can't see the blessing of God. But now let me show you the big one. And this is the biggest one. Loss of passion. Loss of passion. This man was ready to change the world. He was, going to, he, said he was going to set the world on fire. He was going to be used. Great things were going to happen. And all of a sudden, he has no passion for anything else. Then was loss of passion is the most crippling thing you can go through. What did the Bible call? What did Jesus call it in Revelation chapter 3? Lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is a spirit. Listen, we ought to be alive and thankful and grateful and ready to jump on hell with a water pistol and trust God for great things to happen. But when this spirit gets on you, you just lose your passion. And what do you do when you lose your passion? You start going through the motions. You just start showing up. You start doing things out of duty. Listen to me. I delight to do your will and your law is in my heart. And we're supposed to be a people of passion. I, I don't know what has happened to the American church since I got saved. But when I was a young man and got saved, the church was on fire for Jesus and excited about what he's doing. But a dark spirit has come across the land. And as the Bible prophesied what happened, there's a passionless. Listen, passionless living is spirit. It's not maturity. It is spiritual. And I can remember years ago, we'd have people get saved and be so excited and fired up about what Jesus is doing. And, and people would say, well, well, they'll mature. What you call maturity, I call dying. Why do you think he said he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire? Guess what fire does to people? Come on, even rock and roll stars know, come on, baby, light my fire. How about come on, Jesus, light my fire? There was, but this, this man was passionate. Did you hear how he prayed? If you read it before, how he prayed, help the people, help the people, use me to help the people. Now what's he doing? I don't even want to live anymore. It's the, this thing will suck the passion right out of you. And then you'll start beating yourself up. Listen, this is spiritual. It's a spirit that comes on people. And then we just end up going through the motions. And it's, this is, I'm telling you, this is all over the land today. I'm, I deal with this all the time. But you know, I've learned to say, not today, little lampshade. Listen to, listen to what this book said, resist. Guess what resist means? You wouldn't need to resist somebody if they weren't coming after you. Are we right here? All right, let me help you. I'm gonna tell you something. When you start seeing these things in your own life, discouragement, weariness, this marriage ain't worth fighting for no more. Give up. My kids ain't gonna make it. I ain't gonna never get over this. When you start seeing that stuff in you, you better listen to who's knocking on your head and recognize the source of this thing. As you see later in scripture, it was declared as to what it was. All right, now let me, let me help you with something. Let me help you. Let me talk to you about how to protect yourself from the spirit and how to get out. How many of you know we need to get out from underneath this stuff? Amen. Do, you really, do you really enjoy just being defeated, sucking eggs and a few more weird days till I fly away? Really? No. There's something down in here inside of you says, this ain't how I'm supposed to be living. Are right, you Ready? If Jesus is who he says he is, and that book tells the truth, we're not supposed to live sucking eggs and feeling sorry for ourselves. Amen. Something down here bears witness. There's got to be more to it than this. All right, let me, I can help you here because I <laughs> help you from scripture and experience. Number one, when this is going on, number, I'm going to give you three words, recognize, refuse, and replace. Number one, you got to recognize what's happening to you. You got to recognize what's happening to you. You're, just, you're not bad. God hadn't abandoned you. You hadn't sinned the great sin. 
You've got to recognize what's happening to you. Turn with me to Luke chapter four and let me show you something. Let's learn from Jesus here. Luke chapter four. You familiar with what this is? Jesus had just begun his ministry. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. First thing that happened when Jesus began to minister. First thing that happened when Jesus began to minister. He is attacked by the powers of hell. All right, can I go deep with logic here? If the powers of hell will attack the son of God, you think they'd come after you? (laughs) You got it, doc. All right. Now remember, this is the great attack of Satan on Jesus. But let me remind you of something. People see this thing of these two figures talking to each other. The book of Hebrews says he was tempted in all points as we are. Jesus was attacked the same way we are. I've never seen the devil in my life. You hadn't either, probably. I mean, some of you might have seen him, a vision or something. But I see his fingerprints all over everything around me. And I recognize, I told you about my dog and the skunk. I don't have to see the skunk to know when he's in town. I can tell by the smell when all ain't well. Are you with me? I know when that sap sucker's in the house. All right. Look in Luke chapter four, verse seven. Therefore, worship me. I'll give you everything you want. The devil, let's look at verse six. The devil said to Jesus, everything I've got, I'll give to you. All the glory's been delivered to me. I give it to whoever I want. Verse seven, worship me. It'll all be yours. Watch what Jesus did in verse eight. Jesus Andrews said, get behind me, Satan. Because the word of God says you don't worship anybody except the father. What happened right there? Jesus was under attack. But listen listen to me carefully. He recognized what was going on. He recognized what was going on. Now, let me tell you something. When discouragement comes down on me heavy, I don't go, oh, gosh, God's done with me. I go, so it's you again, huh? You got to learn to recognize this stuff. When this stuff is going on, you got to learn to recognize what's going on with you. This is why it's so important to know the word of God. This is why it's so important to recognize the spirit of God is not the spirit of criticism and weariness and discouragement. That's that other guy. And you need to listen, recognize, let me help you. You got to know the word of God to know this, but you need to pray this prayer. I pray for wisdom and understanding. Help me know what's going on around me, Lord Jesus. What's happening around here? I mean, (laughs) dear ones, we have got to learn to tell by the smell that all ain't well. (laughs) And when you just, you're just, (laughs) I quit. You need to say, I don't see you nowhere, but I sure do smell you. You've got to learn to recognize what's happening to you. And let me tell you what you ought to do. Listen to me. You'll just get mad about it. Don't just get mad about it. I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of the living God. Jesus bled out his life for me to have abundant life. What are you doing here trying to steal it? We, we, this, this passivity that's in the church of the Lord is in his holy temple. Ah, kumbaya, kumbaya. We got to get off this stuff. We'll get our brains beat out. Amen. Was, if, our, if our special forces went into battle with the spirit we got, they'd get killed. I don't care if they do got good guns. You got the weapon, but we're going to have to look. Guess what the word fight means? It don't mean lay down. And you need to, you need to say, wait a minute. I ain't putting up with that mess. There's got to be a certain belligerence about people in this thing. Number one, you need to recognize what's happening to you. All right, number two, I I pray this don't offend you, but take it up with the man who wrote it. You need to make up your mind. You're going to refuse to fellowship with demons. I'm not listening to demons anymore. Now, if you're but one of them people who says, well, I don't think demons can bother Christians. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Uh, there was this, everybody thinks it's all about, com- there's a time to comfort people. Can I get a witness? Amen. The Bible said, comfort those who weep, weep for those who, weep. but there's a time to confront people and say, you don't need comfort and you need some faith right now. All right. Look with me at first Corinthians chapter 10. This is a wild passage right here. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I went to the school where I was taught wrong about faith that if you're a Christian, demons can't bother you. And I thought, well, who runs this place right here? What do you think it means? We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we do wrestle with principalities and powers of darkness. Well, there's one of the dumbest things you can do with a demon is stop wrestling with him and start having fun with him. Don't fellowship with demons. Make up your mind. I'm not going to fellowship with them anymore. All right, look with me. First Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 20. Let's put in verse 21, go the short route. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Who's this written to? It's not written to the hell's angels and the pagans. You can go back to the first book and read to the church. 
What did he say to his people? I don't want my people drinking the cup of demons and I don't want them fellowshipping with demons. All right, I'm going to help you. I'm going to really help you with this where you can understand it. A demon spirit calls you up and says, meet me down at the coffee shop. Let's drink coffee together. Let me talk to you. Would you go? Then why do we do it? I was listening to this lady preacher and she said, you know, years ago before I learned this stuff and she said, I was raised in a church that didn't teach me the Bible. And she said, I got up every morning early and what I want to do is get my cup of coffee and everybody leave me alone. I want to sit down. Here's how she said it. I wanted to fellowship with my problems. I want to just drink my coffee and think about the problems I was having. She wasn't fellowshipping with her problems. Who was she fellowshipping with? There was to, don't drink a cup of coffee with demons. Drink a cup of coffee with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't have coffee with the Holy Spirit and a demon spirit at the same time. Can I get a witness? If you think you're going to have coffee with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump at the same table, I got news for you. It ain't happening, Bubba. (laughs) The Bible says one wars against the other. Can I get a witness? I really could help you if you'd listen to me right here. Turn off the movie. Go to bed a little earlier. Give yourself a little time when you get up in the morning. Don't run out the door hectic. I love to get up early in the morning, get my coffee. While it's, that's why I love this time of the year. Go sit out on the front porch and start fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost right off the bat. Amen. Tell them, I want to thank you today for love and hope and joy and peace. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for this place you've given me and mama to live. Thank you for my sweetheart. Thank you for my church. Thank you that I'm healthy, as old and dumb as I am. That's a miracle in itself. And just get out there and start thanking God for the good things he's done for you. And all of a sudden, this sweet spirit comes to you. Guess what you're doing? You're drinking the cup of the Lord. You're dining at the Lord's table. But if you get up and you get to thinking about, this ain't gonna never work out and there's a stupid and a stupid job, my stupid boss, you are fellowshipping with a demon spirit. And what do he say? Well, listen, listen to Jesus. I don't want you fellowshipping with demons no more. All right, make up, let's make up our minds. I ain't gonna do this stuff. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> what do you get out of eating rotten pudding anyway? I have never understood why people want to waller in that stuff. It doesn't do you any good. And it sure don't do your preacher any good. Can I get a witness? Let's stop it. All right. You can make up your mind. All right. Recognize what's going on. Just refuse to do it. You can say no. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, get behind me. I'm not listening to you. And we need to be able to say that. But listen to this. We need to replace Satan's lies with God's fellowship. Let me make an announcement, dear ones. There is a spirit more powerful than the spirit of hell. And it's the Holy Spirit of God. And I went, listen, he didn't give us that. The, the young man named Timothy, two books in the Bible written to him, not by the books of first and second Timothy written by Paul to Timothy. He was a great young man. He loved God. He did the best he could, but he was getting his head tore up and he, he, he wanted to quit. He wanted to leave. They were wearing him out. And so his beloved father in the faith writes him. And let me tell you what he said in first Timothy four. he said, you are neglecting the gift that is within you. The reason you're getting your head tore up is not because it's so rough where you're at. Quit neglecting the gift. That's what he said. You've got the Holy Spirit of Almighty God inside of you. Quit neglecting it and use him. And then in the second letter he wrote him in chapter one, verse six and seven, he said this. Stir up the gift that is in you because God didn't give you that spirit. Some Bibles say spirit of fear. It's actually timidity or intimidation or pity. He said, God didn't give you that spirit of intimidation. God gave you a spirit of confidence, compassion, and boldness and clarity. And he said, he said, son, I can't help you. You're the one who's got to stir it up. All right. Now, dear ones, that's why we need to stir up the gift of God. If you're born again, the spirit of God's inside of you. You can have the spirit of God inside of you and him do you no good. Just like that young man. He wasn't a wicked guy. He was doing the best he could, but he was getting his brains beat out. And Paul said, listen, you got to start stirring that thing up. How do you stir the gift of God up inside of you? This is, this is where intellectual people have to get off the boat. Sorry, I didn't write it. I didn't build the kingdom. You're filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks in everything. Dear ones, worship stirs up the Spirit of God inside of you. I'm talking about heart worship. And we got to start fellowshipping in that regard. And I want you to, uh, I want you to look at me in first John chapter two. And let me show you something. First John chapter two is that, uh, first John chapter two, I want you to look at this, what the scripture says here. First John two. All right. He's writing. John is the spirit of God speaking to you. 
First John two, verse 12. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Isn't that how we start? We just come to Jesus. We get our sins forgiven. We're just little babies in the faith, get our sins forgiven. But listen to me, dear ones, we need to go on beyond babyhood. Let us grow up. All right, watch this. I've written to you fathers, you've known him. I've written to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. What's the mark of a person that's going on in the faith? It's not that they memorize a lot of stuff. They've learned how to overcome the evil one. All right, let's read verse 14. I've written to you fathers because you've known him who's from the beginning. I wrote to you young men, watch this, you are strong. The word of God's inside of you and you've overcome the evil one. Put it together there, dear ones. We need to get the truth of God inside of us and it's that truth inside of us that overcomes him. And we live out of that truth instead of getting beat to death with this thing. I want to take you for just a minute. I want you to notice, let's go back, 1 Kings 19. This Elijah, this mighty man, all of a sudden, let me make an announcement. If this spirit can do that to him, he can do it to anybody. But you don't need to stay there. Elijah didn't stay there. If you follow the story, he got out of that funk and he whipped that thing. But I want you to notice what he did. What was the key to him getting out of it? He went and stood on that mountain and he placed himself. He put himself in a place. What did he hear? He heard the voice of God. And when he heard the voice of God, it dispelled that garbage in his life. How many times have I had the voice of God come through and all that garbage in my head and all that mess around me, it blew it away like a spring breeze. But you got to position yourself to hear the voice of God. Now, a lot of people want to, listen to me carefully. A lot of people want to deal with this in the intellectual realm. They try to figure it out. He's going to beat your brains out. It's not intellectual. It's not in the intellectual realm. It is spiritual. It's spiritual. You got to deal with this in the spirit realm. All right, let me take you to Psalms and show you how to do this. Turn with me to Psalm. And this is, I don't know why we just don't get this so often. Psalm chapter eight. In Psalm chapter eight, does anybody know what the biggest book in the Bible is? Somebody take a wild guess. It is the book of Psalm. Does anybody know what the word Psalm means? It's a Hebrew word for the word song, S-O-N-G. These are 150 songs. And uh, has anybody ever wondered why the God likes for us to sing? Does anybody know the reason? I guess it keeps us out of trouble. You know, if we're singing, we don't do nothing dumb. <laughs> That's not really the answer. And listen to me, he's not this neurotic guy who demands that you dance for him. Does anybody know one of the purposes of worship or song? All right, let's look in the Psalms and let's learn this. Psalm chapter eight, verse two. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, and that means humble people, you have ordained what? Does the word say strength? Yes. Does anybody remember this anywhere else? Matthew chapter 20, Jesus went into the temple, kicked those tables over, threw the preachers out, and the preachers got angry because the children were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. They said, do you hear what they're singing? And Jesus said, yes, have you never read? And then Jesus quoted this verse, but Jesus misquoted it. You'd think Jesus would know the Bible, wouldn't you? Surely you know I'm not telling the truth. I want to listen to what Jesus said. Have you never read? And then he quoted, he said, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained praise. Jesus didn't say strength. Jesus said praise. You said, well, brother Brian, which is it? Is it praise or strength? Come on, man, connect the dots. They are the same. Praise is the power of God in the spirit realm. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, let's read it together. You have perfected strength or praise because of your enemies. Does anybody here have an enemy? It's not the Methodists. It's not the Democrats. It's not your stupid mother-in-law. Come on, guys. We have got to start believing the Bible. What does the Bible say? 1 Peter 5, 7. Be vigilant, be sober. Your enemy, Satan, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let's read this verse together. Verse 2. Psalm 8, verse 2. Out of the mouths of humble people, you've ordained praise and strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Listen to it. You want to shut that crap up in your head, you start praising God. You want to silence that junk. You want to silence the discouragement, the despair, the I can't do it no more. You want to get rid of that self-pity, you start worshiping God. And you worship him from the heart and watch what happens. I learned this years ago and I began to try. Let me tell you what I learned. It is amazing. It is amazing how quick demon spirits will get out of dodge when you start worshiping God from the heart. And I mean, I mean, just a transformation, just, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to make it. 
wait a minute. What am I doing? Blessed be the, and you start singing. And in about 20 seconds, all of a sudden, you just sense a shift in the atmosphere. And you look back and you go, what, what was that? I'm telling you, out of the babes of humble, out of the mouths of humble people, you've ordained praise that you might shut the enemy's mouth. Discouragement. Listen, fear will disappear when you begin to worship. Now, you know, we've, in America, we've sort of turned worship into this bebop, yada, yada stuff. I'm talking about heart worship. I'm talking about from the heart, singing praises unto God. No demon spirit can hang around where there's heart worship at. They've got to leave in a heartbeat. Turn the page. Uh, let's, let's stay there. Turn to Psalm 32, 7. All right, Psalm 32, 7. Now, I've had people say to me, Brother Brian, I'm just so defeated. It's so terrible. Would you pray for me? Listen to me. It won't help. My prayer won't help you in a case like that. That's not the tool he's given for this. Psalm 32, 7. Read this with me. Psalm 32, verse 7. You talk about good news. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. What do you think he's talking about here? Financial collapse? Do you think he's talking about the Russians here? What is it he hides us from? What are we in a battle with? You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with what? Songs of what? Tell me what worship does. It delivers you from the garbage. There are songs of deliverance and these songs deliver you. And and where's the great picture of this? Remember Acts chapter 16, my beloved brother Paul, he was arrested, beaten, thrown in jail, put in stocks, wounded, hurting. At midnight, they were singing hymns and praise to God. And what happened? The chains fell off. Everybody's attitude changed. The darkness left. They got healed. They got fed. What do you, you think that's in there to teach you how to break out of Alamance County Jail? Come on, man. <laughs> we have got to learn that the power of heart worship is to shut the enemy's mouth in our heads. And to silence. they just can't be there. They can't do that. Let me show you one more in this regard. Turn with me to Psalm 149. Now, Psalm 149. Now, did you notice he said out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, and it doesn't have anything to do with age. It means humble people. Let me tell you what King David teaches us in this book. Proud people are not going to worship God. Proud people are going to try and figure it out intellectually, and they're going to stay in bondage. We need to be a humble. That's why Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter this kingdom. Now, I love Psalm 149 is one of them great Psalms, one of them great revelation Psalms. Um, just, just, I was going to do one verse. Let's read the whole thing. Psalm 149. Pray. Let's, let's, let's read Psalm 149. Let's read it like this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Is that what it says? I've had about all the passionless mess I can take in churches. Does anybody notice the punctuation after the word Lord? What is it? Uh, uh, exclamation mark, which means what? Praise the Lord. What does exclamation mark mean? Passionate. Celebration, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly. Let Israel rejoice in their maker and the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Praise his name with a dance. Sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He'll beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and sing aloud on their bed. Now watch this. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. That don't make a lick of sense. That don't make a lick of sense. Look at that verse. The high praises of God in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. We're going to start carrying swords in here when we sing? Gosh, I hope not. The way some of you jump around, it be a bloodletting. No, no, come on, guys. Put it together. Put it together. The high praises of God in my mouth are a weapon in the spirit realm. That's the sword. To do what? Let's read it. High praises of God in their mouth, two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of irons, to execute on them the written judgments. Not talking about people. That's talking about demonic principalities and powers. Do you see what the Bible's saying right here? When I begin to worship God from the heart and praise him passionately, all of a sudden something begins to happen out there I can't see, but I can feel it. And these demon spirits that are discouragement and fear and defeat and weariness and loneliness and all that crap, it begins to bind them. Something crazy happens when people begin to worship from the heart. And I, listen, I've experimented with this many a time. I've learned, don't call somebody to help you. 
Don't call somebody to pray for you. And listen, let me help you. Let me really help you. Whatever you do, do not try to figure it out. Your enemy's smarter than you are. And he'll overcome your thinking every time. But there's one thing he'll never overcome, heart worship. I mean, he don't stand a chance. I started to say he'd get the heck out of Dodge, but that's exactly what happens. I'm telling you, you begin to praise and worship God. It bind, that's why he said, let it be in their mouth and it binds them. Do you remember Jesus talking like this when he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind, not me bind, whatever you bind on earth will be bound from heaven and whatever you release on earth will be released from heaven. Well, we don't want to bind the Holy Spirit. We want to release him. What do we want to bind? It's crippling, paralyzing spirits that are killing people. And that's why the Bible teaches you do it with worship and with praise. And you begin to celebrate him. Now, listen, listen to the verse that the Bible says, give no place to your enemy. I've learned. I wake up first thing in the morning. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. So glad to be alive. Hallelujah. I've learned you leave an empty house, he'll fill it. The enemy will fill it. Amen. That's why we need to praise him. I, I thought up this saying. I'm going to have it decoupage. It's going to go like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I didn't think that up. That is a command from heaven. Uh, let me, I'm fixing to go deep. I don't normally go real deep, but I'm fixing to go theologically deep. Here it is. Are you ready about this spiritual warfare thing? You ready? Say, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, fixing to go deep. You ready? ready. Fly not going to sit on a hot stove very long. That's great theology right there. And uh, buddy, listen, you keep your heart passionate, singing praise. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad to be alive. You've been good to me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Them demons just have a hard time landing on a heart like that. Oh, yes. All right, let me, let me quit by saying this. Jesus died so you could have abundant life. That man poured his blood out so you could have a better life than we're living these days. I mean, he's promised us righteous peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be conquerors and overcomers and victors looking forward to the hope of glory. He's promised that. He died to give that. But in that same verse where he says, I've come to give you abundant life, it also says this. There's a thief who comes to steal. What's he stealing? Well, Jesus died to give you. Now listen to me. These crippling spirits came to steal the joy and the hope and the peace and the greatness that God's given us and the dreams that he's given us. They've come to steal the life that God gave us. He said, well, why don't the Lord stop him? Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says. You resist the devil. He'll run from you. All right. Now, can I say, can I say one more thing? I said this is my last thing. That's one more, one more thing. You ready? Don't get weird on me, man. Don't y'all get spooky and say, devils, demons. You bump into them all day long. Don't get spooky about them. I'm in the Christian bookstore back before they got rid of Christian bookstores. You know, it's all online now. And, uh, I met this fellow and he didn't go to my church. He was a Christian, went to another church, an older guy. And he said, I, I need to talk to you, Brother Brown. I said, what is it? He said, I need to talk to you about something personal and private. I said, all right. And he dragged me back to the back of the store. So here we go back here. And he said, I, I mean, it's like, we had, like a 007 clandestine thing, like we was going to deal drugs or something. And I said, well, what has he done? Is he run around on his wife? What's going on? He said, we got in some spiritual warfare the other night. I said, high time. And I just thought, I stay in it all. What do you mean you got into it the other night? I'm in it every waking day. I stay in it all the time. What do you think it means we're in it all the time? All right, you ready? Here's my announcement. This is fun. This is fun. Quit, don't be worried about devils and mess like that. This is fun. When you decide, I am tired of getting my head tore up. I am tired of sucking eggs all the time. I'm tired of this dark spirit. I'm tired of this dark spirit laying on me. I thought my inheritance was righteousness, peace, joy, and hope. I thought I was an overcomer and walked in victory. I'm tired of this mess. And then all of a sudden you begin to try that thing out and you realize this stuff works. Jesus tells the truth. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what if, and you just, you just think this works. And then, all right, here's my dumb story. You know, I'm old. I can tell things over and over again. When I was little, I got whooped pretty bad in my neighborhood because I was little to my age. And then they sent me off to reform school at 12 to Huntersville, which is now a big city. And I, that, I took martial arts, which is pretty stupid. Teach a juvenile delinquent martial arts. Martial arts that, that's not good. So I learned martial arts, got good at it, began to win tournaments. And then I took a growth spurt, just came back, just whooped everybody in the neighborhood. It was fun. <laughs> and I just thought, I'll just go around and do it again. It'd be even more fun. 
that, that's a terrible illustration. But dear ones, I am so weary of watching God's people get beat to death by a puny enemy that Jesus broke his back at the cross. And we need to quit letting him run the show like this. All right. Learn you some songs and get up in the morning and sing. All right. Now, th- now this is, you, if you're married, be careful with this. I don't know if you noticed in Psalm 140 tonight, let the saints go, let them sing aloud on their beds. That's before she gets there. <laughs> you sing it too. You sing aloud at two o'clock in the morning. You're going to have more than devils on your head. That's what you're going to have going on over there. <laughs> Show the woman some mercy. Now, if you can get her to sing with you, that's wonderful. Just hold hands and sing your little hearts out. <laughs> it's just this I can say it. Could you see these teenagers wanting you ain't going to make it. You have no idea what goes on in my mom and daddy's bedroom. And I just said, I don't want to hear it, doc. No, they lay in there and praise God till the sun comes up. I don't know what's wrong with them. Well, when you get old, that's what you do. <laughs> All right, I need to wrap it up here. Well, Jesus, we just love you and praise you and thank you. You poured your life out so we could have life. All the praise and glory and honor to the Son of God who has given us life. And I want to thank you and praise you that though, as your word said, Lord Jesus, though darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people, Yet the glory of the Lord will be upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Thank you for the goodness of the Lord. Father, just these little simple truths we learned from your word. I pray tonight for the eyes to be opened and the blinders removed. And and these people sitting in this room will say, so that's what that is. That's what's been happening to me. And I thank you and praise you for the truth that sets us free. And tonight, I just want to praise you and thank you for the worship of the living God. Father, not the contemporary Christian music on the radio that we listen to while we're vacuuming. That's good. Good to surround ourselves with that. I'm talking about rare back at heart level and sing your heart out to that man who loves you. And watch what happens to the atmosphere. Thank you that you have given us the sword of the spirit, the word of God, which is the worship of the living God. Thank you for your goodness and grace. I want to pray for every person in this room. I, Lord Jesus, you know what you've done and you know what you've called me to be and do. I want these people to walk in victory so much. I want them to enjoy every day. I want them to prosper as their soul prospers. I want them to know the best you've got. I want them to experience the best you've got, the best you gave. I don't want them to wait to heaven to experience heaven. Thy kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven right now. And I praise you and thank you for that precious Holy Spirit. I love you. Go into hearts and minds all over this place and follow these folks home and at work and wherever they go. Remind us constantly. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing his praises. Bless him and praise him. Resist that. Dear Holy Spirit, you're called the helper. Said you'd guide us into all truth. Travel with every person in this room and put these thoughts in their mind encourage them and build them up. You're so good at that stuff. And remind them, praise the Lord. Praise His name. Thank you. You're not our doer. You can't do it for us, but you'll help us. I pray in faith for every person in this room. Follow them around. Talk to them. Lead us into all truth. We give you the praise and glory for that in the precious name of Jesus. I pray. Amen.